you, Jesus. There is no one beside you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Don't you know that? You believe that today? There's nobody like Jesus. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to leave you or forsake you, but he's going to be there always with you to lead you and to guide you and to heal you and deliver you. Amen. From whatever situation we find ourselves in, amen, he is always there. The, the one consistency in our life is that Jesus is always there. Aren't you thankful for a God who comes down to be with his people? That he, even though he has a heavenly throne somewhere, he decides and chooses to, to walk among his people and to be here with us. Amen. In such a time and place as this where we can gather together. Tell you what, I was uh, worshiping the Lord here and just closing my eyes and I I felt like I heard more voices than there were people here today. I feel the Bible talks about a heavenly host. And whenever we sing in holy, holy, holy is the Lord, there are angels that are still and currently saying that in heaven. And maybe they join with us today because God is holy. Amen. And he is in this place today. Amen. And as Brother Pearl said, he inhabits the praises of us people. Amen. And so once you have God here, amen, you have all of heaven. He'll bring, he brings heaven to us. Amen. We don't have to wait for that day to get a taste or a glimpse. Amen. But we get in, in his presence, his fullness of joy. Amen. So that's where we ought to be and always live and strive to be is in the presence of God. Amen. What a blessing and an honor and a privilege it is that we can feel what we feel and worship the one true God. Amen. No matter what is happening in our life, God is here. Amen. He deserves praise. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see everyone here today. We welcome all of our guests. We pray that God is speaking to you, ministering to you, every one of you. Amen. That God has something special. Man, God is all-knowing, therefore he knows every single need here today. And he also is all-powerful and he can meet every need here today. Amen. He is not short, his arm is not short, that he wants everyone to be saved. Amen. And we want to respond and, uh, to him and what he wants us to do today. Amen. As our ushers come, amen, we want to... Uh, thank you, those who came out uh, yesterday and enjoyed the, the Christmas event. Uh, thank you, Sister Leslie, for doing that, and my wife for organizing all those that are involved in that. Um, and thank you for uh, showing up and participating. Amen. It's uh, uh, that time of the year uh, where holidays, the holiday season kind of hovers over everything, but uh, it's a good time to uh, remind ourselves and remind the world what the reason for the season is, right? And that is Jesus came to save, to seek and to save those who are lost. I'm thankful that he found me. He found me that I'm not lost anymore, that he saved me, amen, and he still wants to save people, amen. And so we are we talking about that today. Man, please remind you that uh, to stay connected with our digital bulletin. 
Amen. Uh, we grab one of these out there. If you're new, just connect them with your, your phone, and uh, you'll see all those things that are happening, the events to stay up to date. Amen. Because we want to be connected. Amen. Amen. Let's go before the Lord together today and pray for the service, pray for the needs, those who are out traveling or not here, that God would minister to those and them and, and us here today. Let's go before the Lord Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your presence, God, that we feel in this place. Lord, we know that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Lord, we ask you to do that today. We want your will to be done in this place, not our will, God. Touch those that are in need, those that are sick and hurting, God, that you would bless and minister to them. Pray for the service today and this offering and multiply it in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. Kids Church can be dismissed. Let's come and give unto the Lord today as he has blessed us. is good. Amen. I um, uh, want to thank you for your prayers, uh, keeping us, covering us, uh, me and Ashley and, and her mother Gwen for uh, safe travels uh, over to Israel and back. I mean, what a, what a blessing it was. And um, you'll hear more of it uh, Thursday night. I'll talk more about our, our trip and things, but uh, uh, it is a, a blessed place, uh, a place that as our uh, we arrived there, our tour guide, uh, one of the first things he said was he said, welcome home. Welcome home is because that's where it all began, right? That's what connects us to Israel is that's where Jesus was born and died for our sins. And that's where Christianity and the church began. And so uh, here in America, the church here, a church all around the world can call Israel home because that's where uh, is the starting point. And we'll all be there uh, at some point or another as the Bible talks about uh, Jesus returning there with his heavenly hosts and armies and, and people. Uh, and so uh, whether you go now or you go later, we're all going to be there at some point. Amen. Amen, what a blessed city, the center of the world, as the Bible talks about Jerusalem, the center of the world, center of the nations. What a uh, privilege to go, and we uh, talk more about that on Thursday. But as we are standing tonight, we, today we can go to the word of the Lord. Exodus, the second chapter, verse 23 through 25. The word of the Lord says, it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel 
and God had respect unto them. Another translation says, and God knew. God knew their search situation and circumstance. Amen. So I want to preach to you today from this title, simply uh, Saved. Saved. Turn to a few people, greet them. Amen. As you are seated today. Man, using the, the, the title save, that word simply saved is <clears throat> means, um, according to the online dictionary, uh, it says to be saved means to be rescued from danger or possible harm, injury or loss. To be saved means you find yourself in a situation where you, you cannot get out of on your own ability, that you need some help. You need a helping hand uh, to come to deliver you, to bring you out of that and to help you uh, from that situation. You are in needing of being saved from something. Uh, many times we may find ourselves in a situation uh, and, and once we can save ourselves and we get stuck or, or, or whatever the situation may be, and, and there are often times, many times, that we, we can save ourselves and, and bring us out of that, uh, however it takes to get us out, we find a way, but usually we're always trying to find that way, and when we can't, uh, we call for help, for somebody to come save me. Um, and we have, thankfully, we are blessed to have a, a number that we can call when we need such a, emergency services to help us, to save us. And uh, 911, and they ask you, what is your emergency? Most of uh, the time somebody is calling that number, they need to be saved. They need to be rescued. They need help from danger or harm or there maybe there is a, a medical condition that is taking place and they need help from that and so they call uh, 911 and, and through the technology that we have, they already know your, your location uh, but uh, it's not far from them to ask where you are or what is going on or your surroundings or uh, uh they, they need to figure out as best as they can, get the most information about your surroundings. What you need to be saved from, we need to know as much details as about it because that can help us to save you when we know what you are need to be saved from. If it is uh, medical conditions, they want to know as best as you can describe and replay what is happening or what has happened so that they are aware when uh, the ambulance arrives, uh, they know what has happened and, and they are ready to meet the need because uh, you have identified to the best of your ability what it is that you need saving from, what you need help from or what you need to be delivered from. Um, and it can be really anything. It can be an enemy, a, a situation, um, a, a superior power than you, or a, a, a thief or a criminal, whatever it is. There are countless examples and situations where people find themselves where they need to be saved. 
And knowing what to be saved from is, is the first step to being delivered and actually to be saved from that. If you don't know what you need to be saved from, then how can you truly be saved? If you haven't been able to identify the target or the enemy or the specific situation that you are need delivered from, uh, then there's, we can only, uh, they can only help as much as you can. But we need to be uh, precise as much as we can to know what that is to be saved from if you want uh, to be saved. Um, recently, a few months ago, we've all experienced uh, Hurricane Ian, where we're all locked up in our homes and uh, doing our best to save our house and our belongings and, and all of these things. But uh, those, uh, many of us were blessed to, to, to not be uh, hit so hard where we lost things, but uh, that is, we are blessed because many people around us did uh, get it worse than us. And we are, we are grateful for what we have and we come to realize that uh, the meaningful things in life are not possessions because it can take one storm in our life to come take those things away. And so we need to really understand what it is that is important in our life and that is uh, family and our faith and, and, and our, our, our walk with God because those things cannot be shaken. The word of God stands forever and uh, it will, uh, it is the foundation, it is tried and true and, and that we can put our faith and trust in that, that we know that is always going to be there as well as God and Jesus, he will always be there for us. But um, during those days of recovery, um, we were uh, invited and, and blessed to stay at uh, Brad and Sarah's house because... Uh, they were blessed that they never lost power. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, I think everyone else lost power, but they didn't. And so uh, it doesn't take uh, very long to head on over there uh, for a hot shower and just normal life again. But uh, we were not the only ones that they invited to stay there for a few days. Um, his, uh, Brad's boss also was there. Um, in talking with him and his encounter uh, and his experience through Hurricane Ian, he actually, him and his wife uh, and neighbor, actually uh, needed to be saved from Hurricane Ian because they lived on Sanibel and they rode out the storm on Sanibel. And as he uh, described the accounts of, and I can't even imagine, uh, listening to what he is saying, being in their house, obviously the houses are, you know, two or three stories up off the ground, uh, newer homes, and uh, hearing him describe looking down on the first floor, headed up to the second floor, and you're looking down, and you see the water coming in and filling up the first floor of your house, and they keep on going higher to to escape uh, the the waters and the flood waters that are coming in, and and ultimately uh, this led them to their roof where he was, I, I think he took off his shirt and he's waving, waving it in the air for uh, the lifeguard helicopters flying around and they got, they got extracted from the roof of their house in one of those helicopters. 
Talk about being saved and in a situation where you're calling on somebody to come down and deliver me because you're in a place where you cannot get out on your own. I'm thankful for the hand of God that reaches down in our life where we find ourselves in a place where we cannot get out. All we got to do is to cry out to the Lord and he hears our cry. He knows where we're at and his hand and his mercy comes down and he can help deliver us out of our situation. I'm thankful that we serve a God who is able to do that. And I, I have been blessed in my life that uh, recalling from uh, his experience on Sanibel that I, I have been blessed and I haven't found myself in, in such a situation where it is really uh, feels like life or death. Uh, where you really have to call out to be saved, and um, we're thankful for uh, the services and and and, and the military and, and all those people that serve and protect to, to, to give us uh, this freedom and to help us out when we call those numbers. Life would be a whole lot harder without them, and man, we are grateful for every one of them. And so, uh, having been in. Uh, hard times, you understand uh, what it is to be saved and to be delivered for something. Maybe you've experienced a life or death situation and, and you are crying out for help and you understand, really understand what it means to be saved uh, from that uh, event. Um, but the children of Israel were in a situation where they found themselves, uh, they were, uh, initially they were welcomed into Egypt with open arms, as the Pharaoh uh, said that they can have the best in the land of Egypt, uh, and which was the land of Goshen, as Joseph was second in command of all of Egypt, and uh, the famine was in the land and the world, and uh, God had, had given Joseph the, the vision and uh, interpreted the dreams uh, of Pharaoh of what was going to happen. And so ultimately this led the, 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 the tiny nation of Israel Joseph's family, this led them to uh, the nation of Egypt to live during this time. And Pharaoh said that they can have the best of the land, the land of Goshen where uh, they lived in plenty. And so Israel is welcomed into Egypt with open arms, uh, the living uh, the, their best life and, and enjoying the best food of the land and shelter and all of those uh, things of life that we come to uh, appreciate and, and and love, and so they were welcomed into this place, open arms. Of all places, I, I would imagine in their minds, of all places, they as they enter into the land of Goshen, they were thinking, "Well, this is one place that we do not need to be saved from." That we are blessed to be here. That we are uh, privileged to be here. It it's, it's reminds us of the promised land that where uh, God had spoke to our forefathers about a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But yet, while were they while they were in the promised land, a famine came, which led them, as I said, to the land of Egypt with uh, with all the the abundance that was there waiting for them and. And maybe they thought that this life, this place over here is actually better than where we were. The land of Egypt that uh, welcomed them into that place. But 
We know when we understand that one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is deception. To entice somebody or someone uh, to take part of something because on the outside, uh, at first glance, at first uh, encounter, it, it doesn't seem harmful. It doesn't seem like something that we would need to be saved from, that I, I don't need to be delivered from this because it looks good and it is good and it tastes good and it, uh, it feels good. And so it, it, it welcomes us with open arms and, and presents its best to us to entice us to come into those uh, situations. But ultimately we understand uh, through experience that, that deception is one of the greatest tools. Otherwise, if the truth was always told, then no one would ever do that, right? Nobody would ever go there or, or never, nobody would ever really partake in that if uh, the truth was revealed. And there is a, a, a plant in nature that deceives its prey. It's called the Venus flytrap where it, 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 it opens itself and it looks beautiful like a flower which it entices and it, it attracts the flies to come and land there thinking it is a flower but once it lands there uh, it closes and engulfs uh, the insect uh, all because the, la the fly landed there because it was enticed and it was deceived uh, thinking that was something that it was not. And this is the greatest weapon that has the greatest impact is to deceive somebody because they are believing that they are doing the right thing or doing something good to which they don't need to be saved from. I don't need to be delivered from that because it is, in my mind, it is good. Uh, one of the things we did over there in Egypt, or, or, or not Egypt, but Israel, uh, was we visited the, the Holocaust Museum over there, which is a very touching and uh, one of the exhibits, uh, somebody, uh, I think it may have been a survivor, uh, wrote this down. He said the camp's law, as meaning the, the concentration camp, the camp's law is that those going to their death should be deceived until the very end. Looking at history and, and, and that specific event, the Holocaust, and you, you wonder, you ask yourself, how is it that all of these Jews just got on trains and headed to the concentration camps? It was because they were being deceived. They are being told, hey, you get on this train, we're going to take you to a place where there's jobs and there's food and uh, you're going to go and live a, your be a better life. And so they all got on the, 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 the trains and uh, they end up in these concentration camps, which uh, you, can't, you can't tell the truth about those things because nobody would ever go. Nobody would ever get on board the train and say, hey, I'm, I'm headed to the concentration camp. Sounds like a great place. It's because they're deceived. 
uh, and not really knowing what uh, was lying in store. And the same is true today, how this world will deceive us, or deceive people, uh, opening themselves, this world up to the, the, the beauties that, and the things of this world that seem to appear to be so good on the, on the surface, but deep down they are empty and they're void. And all their purposes is to get you, to entice somebody, to get them trapped into the, the bonds of sin and addiction and, and drugs and alcohol and, and whatever this world has to offer. And people then find themselves stuck in a place where they can't really can't get themselves out. It's, it's, it's hard. It's easy to get in. Easy to get in. But trying to get out is the fight of your life. And many times you need a helping hand to get you out of that situation. But I'm thankful that I found the helping hand of Jesus Christ that reached up and and have found him. And he found me, that he knew where I was at and where I was going. And he still reached out and he called my name and drew me out of that miry clay. And he placed my feet on this rock here, the rock of truth, that we can be here today. I'm thankful that God knew where we were, knew where you were and he came to you and and delivered a message to you and somehow you responded and you came to an apostolic church. Pentecostal church, maybe you thought uh, a bunch of crazy people here and uh, you know, once you join us then you don't feel crazy anymore. But I can't help to recall and reflect uh, of all the things that God has done for me and what he has brought me out of. And and sure, I'm going to come to praise God. I'm going to come to lift up his name. I'm going to shout and dance and clap and and do whatever I feel like doing in the Lord. Why? Because he has been too good to me to allow me to survive and bring me uh, to live another day to worship God and to live for him. And so if they can do that for a football game, we can do that for a God, a God that's done more for us than any kind of sports team has impacted my life. No, God has touched me, and he's touched you, and he's delivered you, and he's blessed you, and brought you out, and who are we to withhold any type of praise or to come in here and not to shout on the Lord and to lift up our hands and clap our hands uh, because of what God has done for us. Now that we have, have been saved, we can easily look back, and as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. You can easily look back and see what exactly it was you were saved from. You know what you were saved from. Maybe you couldn't really see everything clearly in the moment, but once God touches you and fills you with his spirit and, and enlightens your mind and your heart, and you begin to see things differently and, and you act differently and you talk differently and you go uh, to, to different places and you, you, do, you, you walk a better life than you used to. Why? Because you have some help that saved you from that situation, that lifestyle, that old life, that old person. And understanding, uh, looking back, and you're, you're able to see so clearly uh, how the, all the dots connect. And you may, maybe you're able to see uh, better and, and better understand uh, the, the grasp of deception that was in your life. We've all, we've all come from different walks of life. We all have different stories, but they all come together at the cross where we met Jesus and, and he died for our sins and, and delivered us and, and shed his blood for us so that we can be here. 
and to live a life that is worthy and pleasing unto him. Uh, and so we've been uh, educated uh, about deception and, and what to be saved from because we were saved and um, we, we now know, have a better grasp on how things are working in this world, uh, being, not being spiritually blind anymore, but our eyes are opened and we have an understanding of those things. And so um, I don't think Israel uh, knew what was going to happen. I don't think really any of them did. Uh, because they were uh, welcomed, as I said, in Egypt with open arms. But uh, it took um, many years uh, and the death of Joseph for things to change. And as Pharaoh uh, died and a new Pharaoh came to power who did not know uh, Joseph or did not understand or uh, know, uh, did not really care or have the favor for the people of Israel... And so what happened is he started um, enslaving them, where their blessings now uh, are turned into enslavement, uh, and they become slaves in uh, the nation of Egypt. And so we, we see that uh, in our text that Israel it gets to the point. The Bible says in the process of time, and uh, a few words there actually means about 400 years. Talk about a long time. In the process of time, uh, the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by the reason of the bondage. And God heard their groanings. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac of Jacob. Aren't you thankful that God hears your prayers, hears your cries? Uh, even though we may not hear an audible response, we know when the word of God tells us that God hears our cries. He hears our prayers and he knows what is going on in our life. And so the, the first step to being saved is from your situation is you have to realize that you need saving. If you don't think you need to be saved, nobody's going to save you because you're, you're not going to cry out for help to be saved. Uh, and so you have to understand that, yes, uh, I need to be saved. I, I'm a mess. Uh, I, I've tried it long enough on my own, and I, it still ends in the same disappointment. Um, and so I need help, and I need to be saved. Uh, and so that is the first start, uh, first step of actually being saved, is to know that you are lost and you need help. And obviously for, uh, uh, for men, it's, uh, that's a hard place to come to, to acknowledge and to, to say that we need help. Because we'll walk around a department store four times before we ask for help. Because we think we, we'll figure it out, and, and maybe we do, and many times we don't. Uh, and, so, um, and so that's when the cries start coming forth from Egypt is uh, they've had enough, and they realize that they need help. And I don't know why it took 400 years for them to figure that out. At the first crack of the whip, I'd have been crying out to God, right? Uh, and so it took 400 years. They were enslaved for 400 years. 
uh, until they started crying out to God. And then God heard their cry, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he began to move into action. And I want to tell somebody today that if you want God to move into your life, what it takes is you to you start crying out to God for help. And that will get God moving in your direction and to see your situation and know how to deliver you out of that. But it takes you crying out to God for help. Because as all-powerful God is, he's a, he, he, he gives us the free choice. He's not going to force his will upon us. If we want his help, he's there for us. If we want to be stubborn and, and prideful and arrogant and, and, and hold on to this uh, as, as long as we can, then he'll, let, he'll just sit there and watch us. Doesn't mean he, does, he still doesn't leave us or forsake us, but he's watching you saying, when are you going to cry out? The sooner we cry out to God, the sooner our, our salvation begins, the sooner our deliverance comes, the sooner the hand of God shows up in our life. And so crying out to God should be the first response, not our last one. And so it, it seemed to be that this was their last response after 400 years. Um, but that also uh, aligns with uh, the prophecy that God told Abraham that your, your seed will be uh, in bondage for 400 years, and they, then they will return to this land. And so obviously God knew when that time would come. And so what did he do? God uh, uh, went and found Moses out in the wilderness, um, and he began to raise him up and to equip him uh, to be the, the deliverer of the people of Israel out of bondage. And so we, we know the story that came uh, with ten plagues and, and uh, eventually Pharaoh uh, let them go after the firstborn were killed. And uh, they, they head out, they're, uh, they're thrilled and excited uh, as anybody would be being released from uh, bondage. And so they get to the Red Sea thinking all hope is lost, and they cry out again, and God, uh, God tells Moses to stretch forth his rod, and the, the Red Sea parts, uh, and the children go across on dry ground, and the Israelite or the Egyptians are still following after them, um, and, and we know the story where they get into the Red Sea, and, and God closes it upon them, and uh, all the, the, the army of Pharaoh is wiped out, and, and so Exodus 40 and 30 says, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Uh, and so uh, the Bible says that God saved Israel from the Egyptians. The, the target was identified, we need to be saved from these Egyptians, and, and God made sure uh, that he did that and delivered them out of their hands. And, and 
the children of Israel excited in verse chapter 15 is the song of Miriam where they, they start singing and dancing. Once they saw those waters come down and wipe out the army, uh, they started singing and shouting and praising God And uh, because why? Salvation has come. They, they are, now they are saved. They are set free. They are, have been delivered from the hand of the Egyptians and they are now walking with a new life uh, with God out here in this open terrain. And so uh, the word saved that is used here uh, in the Hebrew, this is how it defines the word saved. It says uh, it means to properly to be open, wide or free. Uh, That is by implication to be safe, uh, to be free. Uh, whether by avenging or by defending or by delivering or or to help helping or preserving or, or rescuing or to be safe, but it is bringing salvation, which means that you uh, get the victory. That you're getting a victory over something. When you're saved from something, you come out of that victorious. You come out on top. Why? Because God has saved you from that. He's opened that door, opened the doors of bondage where you can pass on through and come out and be victorious, no longer bound by, uh, by that uh, situation or that oppressor. But you are, you get the victory over that. And that is, means you are saved from that. And so uh, here, Israel now was on the, the, the banks of the Red Sea, uh, shouting and dancing because they are saved. We're, God saved us. We are, uh, we are saved. We are saved people. And then what happens as they begin to turn from the Red Sea and head towards uh, the promised land, the Bible says three days later, they come to a, a body of water, and it is bitter water. Uh, and they begin to gr- cry and, and, and grumble and complain uh, because the water is unsafe to drink. And, and here, three days earlier, they're, they're shouting and dancing, we're, we're saved, we're a saved people, God saved us. And then three days later, all of a sudden now you can't, there's no water to drink. You're thirsty uh, and the water you face is bitter water. Uh, and so what happens is when God saves us from a situation, For some reason, we think that there's not going to be any more danger. There's not going to be any more enemies, no more situations to be saved from. Why? Because we're saved people. God saved us. Uh, But really, we know that that turns out to not be the case, does it? Victory from one battle and from one situation does not automatically... um, declare us victors in every battle that is yet to come. We get excited about what God done in this situation and we rejoice and we sing like Israel did, uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, there's no more battles to fight. There's no more valleys to go through. There's no more giants to face. It doesn't mean there's no more bad situation. No, that just means uh, if God is able to bring you out of this one, the next one that comes up, he'll be able to deliver you out of that one too. Why? Because God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if he delivers me before, he can save me again. He can deliver me out of this hand and he can deliver me out of that situation. And that is how these battles and these situations all connect. 
We are saved from one, and that should empower us and strengthen our faith to, to, to face the next one. And so uh, what saving does is it boosts our faith, and it opens our eyes to the power of God uh, that he is able to do whatever it is that we come up against. And so Israel found this out firsthand, that uh, when they reached the, the banks of the promised land and they sent spies into the land to search it out, um, they're standing there uh, and saying, man, we're saved, I'm saved, we're a saved people. God saved us and God delivered us and uh, there's really... There should be no reason or no other situation to save us from because we've already been saved, right? But when the report came back that surely it is a land that is flowing with milk and honey, that what God said is true, we, we see it evident with our own eyes, but also a minor detail is that there are giants in the land. And immediately Israel lost all hope. Because in their, maybe in their mind, they uh, acknowledged that they were saved. They were already saved. And maybe there shouldn't be any more battles to fight. God already saved us. The way should be paved. Streets of gold is what I hear about. And so God saved me, and I'm looking for the streets of gold. No gates, no barriers, no walls to go through. But, hey, the streets of gold are waiting for me somewhere. But uh, that is not entirely the case because when he saves you from one situation, you're still going to have to face other situations. The hard truth was is that even though they were saved, they still needed to be saved. They still needed saving from their current situation now. God brought them out of one, now there's another one for God to bring them out. And so uh, as history tells us that Israel uh, didn't just need saving from Egypt. That's where God started saving them, saved them from Egypt. But also Israel needed help saving from the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Jebusites, and the Moabites, and the, the Philistines, uh, tons of people that Israel needed to be saved from, even though they are already saved from one person, one group, one, one country, one situation, they still needed to be saved from other things. And the list goes on and on. Israel was saved, but they still needed saving. And so fast forward through the history of, uh, of Israel and Jesus shows up on the scene and uh, he is uh, fulfilling prophecies of the Old Testament where the Old Testament prophets talked about the Messiah and the signs of the Messiah and, and what, uh, what to look for. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he's starting to check off all of these things um, uh, that are aligning with scripture and prophecies. And so it's getting the attention of everybody and healings and miracles and signs and wonders and, and all of these things. And the uh, Pharisees take note, and the Sanhedrin, the, the, the high council of, uh, of the priests, uh, the ones that oversee the, uh, the law and, and the, uh, the, the tabernacle and uh, the religious ceremonies and obedience to the law, uh, they took note of this as well. And, and so they were uh, 
keeping their eyes on Jesus to make sure, is he really the one? Because there's lots of talk, and he's doing, he's doing all the walking too. Talking the talk and walking the walk. Uh, and so uh, there they are uh, watching him. Um, and so, but Jesus fulfilled all, all of these prophecies, and yet it still did not convince them. They weren't convinced that he was their Messiah. Because the one thing that they were looking for was that their Messiah would save them from the Romans. That they were to be saved. All these feeding the 5,000 and opening blinded eyes and deaf ears unlocked. It's all talked about, but that's not important to us. What we're looking for, we want to be saved from these Romans. And as we know, history tells us, the Bible tells us that Jesus did not do that. He did not save them from the Romans. We know that he's, when he comes back again, that's when he's going to be saving, uh, saving them from the world. Uh, they just, they didn't, they, it seems like they cherry-picked the prophecies. Because it, the prophecies talk about God delivering the nation out of the hand of the enemy, out of, the, out of all the nations of the world and saving them and, and that how uh, Israel will rule the world. There will be the world capital and all nations will come to Jerusalem to worship Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, and so uh, it seems like those part of the prophecies really got their attention, but all the other ones talk about being uh, born of a virgin and, uh, and, 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 and miracles and blinded eyes are open and uh, all of these things that also are a part of the prophecy, um, they, they acknowledged those, but the one thing that they were desiring most was to be saved from the Romans. And since Jesus did not save them, in their minds he was not their Messiah, and so they just killed him. We don't need him under, because he's chained, causing uh, disruption to our, our way of doing things and teaching new doctrines and uh, the kingdom of heaven, talking about those things and turning the other cheek as opposed to eye for an eye. We want the eye for an eye, and Jesus says, turn your other cheek. No, we don't want to do that. We want to get our, 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 our swords and our AR-15s, and we want to go after them. Those that uh, attack us, we'll attack them back. And so they weren't really liking the doctrine that Jesus was talking about, and so Specifically since he did not deliver them and save them from the Romans, they were not convinced. And they still are not convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. But there's coming a day where he is going to come back and they're going to see his pierced hands and they're going to cry out in repentance uh, and, and they will turn to him and, uh, and they will realize what they have done and salvation will finally come to the nation of Israel. It's one is one of the heart breaking things over there in, in Israel is to see how, how dedicated and devoted they are to their traditions and praying at the wall and, 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 and all of these things and to realize that they've missed it. You know, they, they, it's, 
it's missed, they're doing empty traditions and uh, when he can really miss out on uh, on what it is because you don't they don't understand what they really need to be saved from uh, they need to be delivered from those things and they need to turn to Jesus Christ and accept him and and and, and know that he is their Messiah and we are told uh, that that will happen once he returns and there uh, I told somebody there that uh, while we were down there at the the Western Wall and uh, the praying all that's going on I told them. I just you just feel the sincerity of it that they're just they're doing it with all their heart and I I, I told somebody with us said man what talk about a, a, a repentance that's going to take place once they see Jesus as, as committed as they are they're going to be so broken and, and that's what Jesus uh, wants is for us to be broken. Uh, uh, with a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Uh, and so Jesus did not save them, and so they got rid of him. Uh, he was just uh, another guy uh, in the long lines of prophets, maybe, and so still waiting for their Messiah. And so uh, Israel uh, is a saved people, but they still need saving. God saved them so many times, but they still need saving. And so fast forward to today, we walk around and we will declare that we are saved. I'm saved. I got saved and Jesus saved me. So what are we saved from exactly? What are we saved from? Are we saved from hell? That God came to save us from hell? Is that what we believe? Or uh, I know that's all worked in there. Save us from a devil's hell. But is that the one thing that he saved us from? When we say I'm saved, is that do, are, are we saying God saved me from hell? That all was going well in my life until hell showed up and then God came and delivered me and heard my cry and he saved me from hell. Is that what we mean when we say we're saved? Because hell is a distant destination. And truth be told, hell uh, actually doesn't have any power. It's just a place. It's a holding place. A place of torment. It, it doesn't really have any power itself. It's just a destination that uh, uh, we are told that people and beings are sent into hell. Uh, and so hell is not the devil. Hell is not on the move. And hell doesn't show up at your door, knocking on your door. And uh, although that phrase is used that, you know, I'm going through hell, as if hell showed up, we know it's just a, a phrase. But uh, hell is some distant place. And so hell really does not touch our lives today, does it? Has hell ever touched our life? Have you, have you been to that place, some far distant place where you touched the flames of hell? It may feel like uh, hell has showed up, but really it is a distant place. Uh, and so is that what we really need to be saved from, hell? A place that has never really touched our life. How do we know we need to be saved from that if, it's, if we've never encountered that? How does one fight hell? 
If we are saved from hell, we should be able to tell of the battles and the struggles and the fight with hell, right? If that's what we are saved from. Going back to knowing and understanding what we need to be saved from in order to be actually saved. And so hell, hell is hell's not our enemy. Really, it's a, it's a place that beings go. And so who is our greatest enemy and, and who uh, do we need to be saved from? Is it the devil? Do we need to be, did God come to save us from the devil? If God saved me from the devil, then why does he keep showing up? Because you think when God saves somebody, you get the victory over that, then why does, why does the devil keep showing up? Uh, the Bible talks about him as a roaring lion, seeking around, uh, walking around, seeking whom he may devour. Um, and if God would would kill him and and save you from him, uh, why? Uh, if I'm saved, then why does he keep showing up? And obviously, then we're not saved from the devil, are we? The Bible does talk about that if we submit ourselves. Uh, under the hand of God, and we resist the devil, and he will flee. So when the devil does show up, uh, if we are submitted to God and his word, the Bible tells that he will flee, but that doesn't mean that he won't come back. And so to be saved, the way that we use the word saved, it, it almost sounds like it, we're forever saved. And so if we, are, if we are saved from the devil, then he should never come around again, Right? If we're saved from hell, then we should never experience that. I uh, hope to never experience that. And so, uh, and so are, we, uh, are we saved from Satan? Are we saved from the devil? Is that what we are saved from? What is it that we are saved from? Because we talk about being saved. But yet Egypt uh, danced around and said, we're saved, we're saved. But yet come to find out, even though that they're saved, they still needed saving from things that showed up in their life. What is it that we are saved from and what is it that Jesus came to save us from? Matthew 1 and 21, it says, And he and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So now we have a target, right? Specifically, the Bible is talking about what Jesus is going to save his people from. And he says he's going to save his people from their sins. And so uh, it, it sounds like that we are going to be saved from sin. Not necessarily hell. Because Jesus came to save us from sin. What did God tell Cain that day? He said, watch yourself, Cain. Hell's waiting for you at the door. The devil's waiting for you at the door. What did he say? Sin lieth at the door. The the, the target is being identified as sin. 
knowing and understanding what we need to be saved from is really going to uh, open the door for a true salvation because you, you have to realize what it is you need to be saved from. And so if we, if we run in here, uh, uh, people run to, run to the altar say, God, save me from hell. I mean, that, that, that conversation uh, may happen a lot. Do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. Well, let's go. Let God save you from hell. Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that, right? Because Jesus didn't come to save us from hell. He came to save us from sin. And so where is, where is sin? If that is our enemy, if that is what Jesus came to save us from, where is sin at? We gotta know where it's at. Where uh, call nine one one help save me from sin? Okay, where what's your situation? Where you're at? Where you're located? What's a, what's going on here? How do you pinpoint sin? How how do you know where you need to be delivered from, or, or what it looks like, or what the situation is? Uh, James tells us in one fourteen, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That when lust hath conceived. It bringeth forth sin, and when sin it is finished, it bringeth forth death. So here we see uh, sin being introduced and, and, and showing up somewhere, and that is because uh, temptation comes, and what happens is uh, lust inside of a, a carnal heart, lust uh, rises up, and lust opens the door and invites sin to come into our life, and then once sin has brought forth, it is finished, sin brings forth death with it. And so we know the target where we need to be saved from, extracted from, is, is sin. But now we have to, to locate it, pinpoint it. And we are just told here that sin's uh, forerunner, the one that opens sin to come into a life, is lust. And so where is lust? We've got to find lust, target lust, because it seems lust is the culprit, right? Lust is the instigator who, who brings uh, sin and all his friends with him, uh, death and everything else. Uh, and so where is lust in? Because that seems the starting point of uh, if I need to be saved from sin, i gotta find, I got to be saved from lust or, or be delivered from lust because that's, that's where it all starts. And, and as we know, sin and lust is located inside of our heart. Our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? And so going back to being saved, God saved me. What did he save me from? He saved me from sin. And so in, in other words, God saved me from myself. He saved me from myself. 
He saved me from my old life, that, that one that was uh, shaped in iniquity and born into sin, that, that sinful heart and sinful desires. God came to earth to save me from myself. He didn't come to save me from hell or to save me from the devil. No, he came to save you from yourself so that you can experience a new life in him because he knew that you cannot, you cannot save yourself from yourself. We are powerless against our own, our own bodies and our own deceitful heart and, and, and lustful heart. We, we don't have the power to do that. And so he came to save us from ourselves. Where is the battle then? The, the battlefield, uh, where is the battlefield of, of sin and, and God and uh, that God showed up and saved us? And uh, we know Calvary is the place where Jesus was crucified and, and died and he shed his blood and where he, where he conquered uh, death, hell, and the grave. And so that is the battleground where that, that, that battle took place. But he didn't, he didn't just wipe out all sin for, for everybody and, and we don't have to do anything. He paid the price for that. But then why are people dying and going to hell if God, if God already beat sin? If God conquered sin and paid the price for sin, then why is anybody going to hell then? Shouldn't we all just, boom, you wake up and you're born and boom, the price has been paid, admission into heaven has been paid, and, and we're good. And why, why is it that not everyone comes to church? Why is it that not everyone serves the Lord and lives uh, godly and righteously? Why is it if, if sin has been paid for and defeated, then why are people still dying and going to a devil's hell? Musicians, if you would come. And, and so uh, we, we know that uh, Jesus fought the battle and he won and he was victorious and, and he defeated sin and death, hell, and the grave. But uh, that doesn't mean uh, that we are all automatically granted victory uh, in our lives. He showed us the way. And what did he do? He, he died and he shed his blood and he, and he poured out himself uh, so he could make a way so that if we uh, repent of our sins, if we, we got to first realize that we need to be saved, right? And what do we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from, um, you, you may start off with hell. God saved me from hell. That's fine. It's getting you closer to God and you begin to realize that I need to be saved from sin and understanding that, wait a minute, I need to be saved from myself. I need to be saved from my own uh, desires and my own uh, thoughts and, and, and imaginations. And so Jesus fought the battle, but what did he did? He gave us the weapons that we can, we can defeat sin in our life. Uh, and that it only comes to uh, repenting of our sins when we come to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry for all that I've done. I'm a wretched person. I, I'm a mess. I, 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 make, I mess things up. I say things I shouldn't do, and I, and I do things I shouldn't do. I'm a mess, God. I need help. I need to be saved, and that's a, the beginning of salvation because we are turning from that old person, and we are turning to God, crying out, God, help me. God, help me. Save me. Deliver me. 
And so that is what repentance is. And and Bible uh, talks about how we need to be uh, born again um, and born of the water of the Spirit where we are baptized in Jesus' name, the name that is all-powerful, that is more powerful than sin because it's Jesus' blood that was shed for sin. Uh, and so, uh, and then we are filled with the Spirit of God, which... Uh, the Holy Ghost began speaking in other tongues that God fills you with his spirit. If if God's spirit is in the heavens and he comes into your body, you're going to start speaking a heavenly language, right? It's something that you never spoke before because it's a supernatural thing. Uh, and so it's the Holy Ghost that empowers us to live uh, uh, above, uh, above sin and to be saved from sin and to keep us saved from sin. It's not a once saved, always saved thing. Sure, salvation in itself is is eternal, uh, just like Noah's ark was eternal. That's uh, Noah's ark is not going to go away, but whoever gets in the ark, those are going to be saved. There's a there's an ark of salvation uh, for everybody, but everyone has to get on it. Uh, and so, how do we fight sin? Uh, Romans Paul tells us Romans six and ten. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. And so if Jesus came to save us from sin and sin appears in our mortal bodies, then Jesus didn't really come to save us from hell or for the devil. He came to save us from ourself. Paul, the Apostle Paul, if you stand with me, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles there was, wrote most of the New Testament. Was, was Paul saved? In our vernacular, what we say, what we would ascribe to somebody being saved, that they obey the gospel and repent of their sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and fill the Holy Ghost and then empowered to live that life above sin and free from sin, saved from sin. You see, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't really have that power to actually save you from sin because sin's always going to show up. Why? shows up in our mortal bodies sin's always around because you go to church does not mean that sin is not going to ever touch you again and so we are saved but yet we still need saving we still need saving from our old self just because we are buried with him in the waters of baptism and, and we've repented of that lifestyle and those ways does not mean that old man, that old woman is not going to show back up. It's attached to our flesh. Our flesh is corrupt and carnal. And so Paul, the, the greatest, uh, one of the greatest apostles who was saved, who preached salvation and repentance and all that. Romans 7, 23 says, But I see another, mem another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He's a Holy Ghost-filled person here. Paul is saved. He's still talking about the battle, though. 
as if he still needs to be saved, as if he still needs some help, as if he still needs salvation. And, and what does he go on to say? He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Paul, what are you talking about? You're saved. What are you talking about? You're saved. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. God saved you, man. Talk about old wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You see, we talk about like we're saved. We're saved from hell. Saved from the devil or whatever. But if we don't really understand what we're saved from, we can walk around this world thinking we're saved. How many people out there say they're saved? What are they saved from? Hell? Hell that's never touched your life before? Well, I'm saved from that, thank God. But what about yourself? What about the sin that can show up in your mortal body? That is what Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. That is what he came to save us from is sin. And so that is why Jesus said in John 3, he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Because we're born in a corrupt body, a corrupt heart, a sinful lustful, prideful body. That is not going to get into heaven. So Jesus says, you need to be saved from yourself. I will help you do that. I will die and make the way, make it possible that you can be saved, but you got to follow after me. You got to follow the steps of it. You got to repent and you got to be baptized and you got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. That way I can make this new body, this new man, this new woman uh, after righteousness, formed and framed after righteousness. That is what can in in inherit heaven is somebody that is born again and saved from that old self. Proverbs 14 and 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Everything seems right, so I don't need to be saved, right? But the end thereof are the ways of death. We need to realize what it is that God is saving us from. And being saved from sin, yes, we are saved from hell and all of that. But the real enemy is not really the devil. The real enemy is sin that will show up in our life, in our carnal bodies. Philippians 2 and 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, your salvation has to be worked out. If it's just a one and done thing, then where's the working at? Where's the, where's the battle with, with, with sin and, 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 and laying down those, those carnal desires and lusts? No, it shows up all the time. And even though we are saved, we still need to be saved from, from sin and, and carnality that is in this world and, and to keep it from our lives and our heart. And even We still need saving because yesterday's battle over the flesh 
is not going to guarantee today's battle over the flesh. Every day is a new day, and in that new day is my, maybe a new battle for you to understand what it is that we need to be saved from. And uh, Paul says, I die daily. And Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow after me. Yeah, we may be saved, but we still need to get a, a hold of salvation today. We still need to seek the face of God today. Why? Because something may be stirring up in my life or around me that, that is not of God, that I, I need to be saved from, that I need to be delivered from. We need to be saved from ourselves. That is what Jesus came to do. And we need to acknowledge that God, help me. Don't, don't let me trust my own heart or my own thoughts or my own mind. But God, I need the mind of Christ. I need your spirit inside of me because I, I cannot trust myself because that is what you came to save me from. You came to save me from myself. Oh God, help me, Lord, not to give back in. Help me, Lord, not to let pride rise up again because that's what you saved me from, Lord. You saved me from that lust, God. Don't let, it's going to try to come back in my life, God. Save me from that again. Where's that altar that I need to get a hold of you, Jesus? That I need to die out to you again, God, because myself has showed up again. The enemy has showed up again, and it looks, it's in the mirror. I see the enemy's in the mirror. If I don't submit this flesh and crucify this flesh and will and desire, God, the enemy's going to be there. I'm going to open up these altars of those who want to be saved again who need to get a hold of God again, God. Help save me, Lord, from myself. Save me, Jesus, from uh, carnal thoughts and ungodly actions and words and things. God, even though you saved me before, I need a saving again. I need a fresh touch again, God. I need a renewing again, a fresh outpouring again. Come on, will you come and seek the face of God? Come on, get a hold of the Spirit of God, the thing, the one thing that can save you from yourself. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, God, we cry out to you, Jesus. Hear our cries today, God. We need to be saved saved from ourself, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, will you come? Will you cry? Will you worship the Lord? Will you seek his face today? Hallelujah, that he empowers you to defeat the enemy, to defeat the carnality. Come on. Come on, it's by his spirit that he's going to do it. It's not of our might we can do, but it's all by God. Come on, come and save yourself from this untoward generation by the hand of God. Salvation is here. Will you come to the wall wells of salvation? Let his spirit flow in your life today. Save us again, Jesus. Forgive me for what I did yesterday. Sin showed up again, God. I need your help. I need deliverance again, Jesus. Come to the altar. Come and cry out and surrender to him today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, he is here. 
Blessed be your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The devil, the devil gets far too much credit. He gets credit for things that he never did. And the danger in that is that always blaming the devil, we make him the enemy and we make him the target. But really it all starts and ends with us, doesn't it? The Bible teaches that lust comes from our heart and lust invites sin in our lives. So the real enemy is that old carnal self, flesh, that deceitful, wicked heart that we are born with. That's really the real enemy. And knowing the real enemy can help us to have true salvation, to truly be saved from him. Because that's what God wants us to do. Hell is full of people that are just all about themselves because they, they let self lead them at, to that place. But heaven is full of people that say, not my will, but thy will be done. It's not about my will. I don't trust my will. I don't trust myself, but let your will be done. That's what heaven's full of, people that, that God saved from themselves and they surrendered themselves. God, I need help from me. Amen. Knowing the, the real enemy gives us the power to actually be saved from that. Amen. So as we go out today, know that the enemy will show up tomorrow. He'll show up the next day. That's why it takes a daily discipline, a daily walk to keep that enemy away, to keep him at bay. If we feed the spirit, the spirit goes stronger. If we feed the flesh, the flesh will strong, go strong because there's that war against the flesh and spirit. But God is there to save us all, right? Call upon his name no matter where we are. Amen. So let's go out and let's defeat the enemy this week, which means we've got to defeat ourselves every single day and let God's will be done. God bless you all. You're dismissing in Jesus' name. Remember about the bread. If you want some free bread, grab a hold of that. God bless. Encourage one another today.